The following audio message is from Neighborhood Church in Overland Park, Kansas. At Neighborhood Church, we seek to be a community that loves God and our neighbors together. If you would like to learn more about Neighborhood Church, please go to www.neighborhoodchurchop.com. So um, a number of us got to go down to the Shalom Retreat Center for our our guys' retreat, it was a blast, and um, we focused on Jeremiah 1 and this idea of uh, this young man uh, being asked by God for 40 years to continue to tell Israel that judgment is coming because they have not turned back to him. And we talked uh, individually in our own lives of being the kind of person that God would not want to do that with us to bring us back to him because we're already with him. And we got to end the evening talking about as a church, what kind of church would we want to have and to be that we would stay connected to God and, and be a blessing to our community where we continue to love God and our neighbors together. So uh, it was a sweet time next year, guys. We've already booked the same place, so go ahead and add it to your Google calendar uh, the first weekend after Halloween, the first weekend in November. Uh, we're going to do it again. So hopefully that's something that all you guys can make it to. Uh, before we get into our passage today, we're in uh, 1 Corinthians 4. Let me say a prayer uh, that as we study the scriptures, it's the spirit that works inside us as we develop. Father, um, we thank you for your word. Um, may we never take it for granted. May we never just let it sit and not study it and learn it and follow it, knowing that it is the way to true life. Father, this morning as we look at this passage, this chapter, in 1 Corinthians, may you guide us into what you would have us learn. And Father, may we, um, may we realign in the areas that are, um, that are pointing in the wrong direction. It's in your name. Amen. So 1 Corinthians 4, um, it's a pretty large book. If you get in 1 and 2 Corinthians as you're flipping through the Bible... Um, it's a pretty pretty big chunk after the Gospels there in your New Testament. There's Bibles under the chairs. Um, feel free to use those today. But if you need a Bible or know somebody who needs a Bible, please take that Bible with you as a gift uh, uh, from us to you. And we love the Word of God. Um, somehow, more Bibles just keep showing up in your chairs. So never worry about that. We have, we have plenty. I think Jesus blessed these chairs long ago. And they just, just pop right in there. So we're studying 1 Corinthians the first three chapters, we're in four today, but the first three chapters, we've learned that Paul is writing to this new church in Corinth. Everything that you see in the New Testament is very new. It's one of the first hundred years of the church, so it's, it's very new. It's, it's this first century church, and Paul is reaching out to them because he has learned that there's some needs growing. There's some disunity happening in this new church, and this a missionary whose name's Paul is going through the Mediterranean starting churches. He's not with them anymore, but he is sending them letters and guidance through. And of course, we have this in our New Testament canon in our word today. He writes them to encourage them to see the ways of God that they were first taught, and they would follow those ways and not move aside from them. And our overall theme is, as a church, as we study this, that they would see life through the lens of the gospel, that that would be your filter on how you're evaluating relationships, people, jobs, and all the chaos, of course, that happens on this planet. As he's talked to them, just a quick review, as he's talked to uh, this church so far in the first three chapters, uh, just sharing, you should seek unity. 
amongst yourselves. I know there's grumbling going on, and as brothers and sisters in the family God, can we please come back together? And the main way is to lean on the wisdom of God and not the wisdom of man, and so to, to remind themselves of the character of God and what would God do in this or that scenario. Uh, they had begun disagreeing about um, which teacher they were going to follow. So they'd kind of chosen, after Paul had left, uh, the people have kind of picked their favorite teacher. And once you pick a, a person or their teaching, then you start recognizing that, hey, I'm different than, than you, and arguments started to become. And he wants to continue to point them, hey, Jesus is the teacher that we need to follow. And then we talked about maturity and seeking growth in the faith and the idea of that holiness is this way of making your roots grow deep and that your trunk and tree branches begin to go wide. And as you follow and be faithful to Jesus, fruit will happen in your life and even more and more trees will be planted. We should not be infants, but we should be parents in the spiritual realm of people. We should grow and disciple others. And just last week, as we begin to talk about, hey, what is this expectation for the follower of Jesus? What kind of life should we build? And I spoke about building with gold, silver, and precious gems, and not with wood, hay, and straw. Because when Jesus returns, not only will Christians, of course, get to be present with Jesus because of the blood of Jesus, but the Christian has a day, capital D day in the Bible. And on this day, the life of the Christian will be evaluated. Is it, did you spend your life for yourself? Or did you spend your life for Jesus? And those things that you spent your life for Jesus are these precious stones and metals that will last and we will be rewarded. But the contrast, of course, would be if you built your life with straw and hay, things will be burnt up in the judgment fire that Jesus will put on every believer you will have some sort of suffering and some sort of loss that you wish you would have done more for him. So may we be a church of people who desire to build lasting buildings. Amen? May we be that kind of church. I want to be that kind of friend to you, and I know you want to be that kind of friend to others. This is the message up through chapter 3, and I, I hope that this helps us get set up for our message today. And There's the last section of uh, 1 Corinthians 3 that I want to read because when you, when you start, you know, in just some random sentence in the Bible, it's kind of no good idea of the context. So 1 Corinthians 3.21, Paul says this, So let no one boast in men, for all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or death or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours. And you are Christ's, and Christ is God's. So he's talking about boasting, picking these leaders. This is ongoing rhythm as we dive into the first Corinthians. He's saying, it's not like you belong to them, but maybe they belong to you. Since you're saying, hey, I'm, I'm now attached to you. A major problem was this bickering, and they were wasting their time fighting over their pecking order because they felt that their leader was better than your leader, so now I'm above you, and you could see the chaos of this new uh, group of people. And I just want to begin to say there are only two groups 
in the kingdom of God. There's only two groups. In God's kingdom, there's two groups. There's God, and then there's everybody else, okay? That's the two groups in the kingdom of God. Let's not add any more to that. He's the head, and we are the body. There was a curtain that was torn that allows us to have access to God. Every single human can have access to God through the work that Jesus has done in our salvation. So because we're saved by the blood of Jesus, the only thing that us humans in the kingdom can boast in is the cross. It was the way to God. So the power of the gospel is so amazing that our boasting amongst each other is so insignificant compared to the boasting of the work that Jesus has done. Hebrews 10.19 says this, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh. There was a curtain in the temple that divided humans from God. There was a physical massive curtain that was ripped from top to bottom by God in the crucifixion. And what are you saying here? It was the very body of Jesus that was broken. And we take communion later. We'll be reminded of this and we'll physically get to actively remember this. So the key to understanding our passage today is know that the comparison, the boasting, the criticism has got to stop. We can be confident because of what God has done. So let's go ahead and jump into 1 Corinthians 4. We're going to read most of the chapter today. So let's enjoy reading the Word of God as the family of God. 4.1 says this, This is how one should regard us, as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself, for I am not aware of anything against myself, but I am not thereby acquitted. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. Then each one will receive his commendation from God. I have applied all these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit, brothers, that you may learn by us not to go beyond what is written, that none of you may be puffed up in favor of one another. For who sees anything different in you? What do you have that you do not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? So point number one today, humility comes from knowing the true judge. Humility comes from knowing the true judge. So just as an example, in this passage, before we even look at the actual teaching, look how Paul models the humility in his letter. He says, we're servants. We're stewards. We're the ones that will be faithful to him. So today, we're going to be talking about being evaluated by others or evaluating others or comparing 
people or judging those in your life. When should we do that and how should we do it and if we should do it? So Paul, in his humble posture, begins saying, it is insignificant that you judge me. It doesn't sound very humble, does it? Your words are insignificant to me, right? But there's humility in knowing that there is a much greater force way beyond this, these people of this church plant that is important to him and he knows is important. Verse 3, we read this. But with me is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself. Paul, who was judged constantly by people and by courts. This was his... This this is his story. He tells us it is not others' opinions, good or bad, that truly matter to Paul. The veil of this world has been removed from his eyes when he saw Jesus. If you know Paul's story, he was not pro-Jesus in the beginning. He was kill Christians in the beginning. Enslaved, not enslaved, in... um, and to jail Christians, he imprisoned them. This is what Paul wanted to do. But then something happened in his life. Jesus showed up and scales formed on his eyes, which allowed him to see. He was blind in this world, but could see Jesus. His life changed. Something special happened when Jesus told him, you are mine now. And something special happened when Paul said, okay. The true judge became his one and only judge. So in verse 4, he tells us, it is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time before the Lord comes, who will bring light to things now hidden in darkness. He'll disclose the purposes of the heart. When we recognize that this building we're building, if I, could, if I can piggyback on last week's message, because of course it was Paul, Paul's letter. When you recognize that your life you're building with gold and silver and stones for the kingdom of God. And the world is looking at you going, what a waste of time. Why are you doing that? This is much easier and much more fun. You need to recognize, or we as a community need to recognize, that makes sense. It is easier. The three little pigs taught us that when we were kids. But we know it's not lasting, and it's not what truly matters. And if you're trying to impress the world, go get some sticks. But if you want to impress God and live for his glory, it takes gold. And Paul recognizes that as he is judged for living his life for the glory of God, people are saying, you're crazy. It is Jesus who's going to put my life to the fire, not my friends and enemies on this planet. This is what Paul would say. And his fire is going to reveal my true heart 
and selfishness and burn that stuff up. And only the precious metals are going to shine. And there's something different between your friends or these people around you and God is they can't see your heart. You could fake it a lot with people because they don't know the truth. But I've got to be careful over here because it's not only what I'm building, it's how I build and the attitude I build with. So it limits the kind of things you could even do, at least that I can do. So how do you respond to complaints or opinions of others? So I'm just going to give three. There's a spectrum here, of course. The first, you take every opinion as extremely valuable. (laughs) And you strive to respond and communicate the intentions of your own to protect that true, genuine character you have. You feel deeply and often get worked up over other people's thoughts about your thoughts and your actions. And you possibly even go so far to communicate all these misunderstandings to other people that aren't even a part of the conversation to help bolster your true heart. That's one way to live life. Here's another way. Number two, you take the opposite. You just stop caring about others' opinions, and you've kind of turned pretty cold, but you're proud of that. And it's even made it hard for you to accept any encouragement, but it's worth it. And you've done this to protect yourself so you don't get so worked up like those other people do. You're stronger than most people. So maybe maybe you fall somewhere in the middle there. I'm sure you do between those two. But I want to propose a third option. You genuinely care about other people. And you care that they have so many judgments and opinions about you. And that in your maturity, in your awareness of God's kingdom, that you can genuinely feel sorry for them that they're so judgmental. That's got to be a hard way to live that you're judging people all the time, and you can separate that. And in your relationship with Jesus, you can know that you're building a house, you're building with gold and silver and stones, and going, God, they're saying these things, but I want to serve you with my whole heart. And at the same time, you genuinely care they're probably not doing that. You pray for them, and you hope better for them. And you allow them to see that they also can trust in the one true judge and live a life of humility and following truth that leads to eternal life. Other opinions are significant because it lets you know they need Jesus. God knows our hearts. God knows our thoughts. There's not going to be any misunderstandings. You're not going to stay before God. Well, God, I really was. And he'll be like, you're right. I kind of got that one wrong. He's, that's not going to happen one time with God. He's going to know the attitudes and thoughts. He's going to judge your actions. And I think one thing that he was going to judge me on is the many of years that I did not care that other people were doing those things. And I just became cold. 
Forget you. I'm doing the right thing. I just did the wrong thing thinking I was doing the right thing. May we not be that kind of people. May we stay strong in our faith and recognize that, God, I care about what you think about me. I know from everything I know, I think I'm doing the right thing for your glory. And I genuinely want them to do the same. The judgments are not insignificant. And the judgments are significant. So verse six, I have applied all these things to myself and to Apollos for your benefit. Brothers, that you may learn by us not to go beyond what is written, that none of you may be puffed up in favor of one over the other. These opinions, these judgments, they, they kind of bolster yourself. I'm a winner because I'm on the right team. And guess what that makes you? Loser. This is what happens. You get boastful and prideful when you start segmenting yourself into ideologies or following certain leaders. May we stop attaching ourselves to human leaders. There is one leader. There is only one human God that we should attach ourselves to, and that is Jesus. Let's help others take their boasting off themselves. And may we boast only in the cross. What if God's word becomes our foundation, our blueprint for the, the way we want to live our life? It's the side we take. And we view all of life through the lens of the gospel and we, we, we evaluate what's going on that most of the time will just be love. I, I, I want love to come into this situation or that situation. It was a, a, a major part of our topic this week and how God's love and the love of his church can make an impact. Maybe we can say, when somebody asks us, hey, which, uh, which guy or girl are you following? Which ideology is your ideology? That we could say, you know what? I'm just a steward of the mysteries of God, and I'm still working on that. Um, but this is what I think, as of now, the Bible says. That's a good conversation. So humility, this idea that there is one true judge. Humility, it comes from knowing Jesus. That was our first point today. Let's continue reading. 4.8. Already, you have all you want. So in this section, you get to hear how sarcastic Paul is. I can imagine hanging out with Paul. He would like be really good at this. Already, you have all you want. Already, you've become rich. He's talking to this church plant that think they have it all figured out. Without us, you've become kings. And would that you did reign so that we might get to rule with you. For I think that God has exhibited us apostles last of all, like men sentenced to death. Because we've become a spectacle to the world, to angels, to men. 
We are fools for Christ's sake. Ooh, but you are wise in Christ. I added the ooh there. We are weak, but you are strong. You are held in honor, but we are disrepute. To the present hour, we hunger and thirst. We are poorly dressed and buffeted and homeless. And we labor, working with our hands. When reviled, we bless. When persecuted, we endure. When slandered, we entreat. We have become and are still like the scum of the world, the refuse of all things. I do not write these things to make you ashamed, but to admonish you as my children. That's a good sentence to read after this sarcasm and this teaching from Paul. You're my children. I love you. Verse 15. For though you have countless guides, for though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I urge you, be imitators of me. Well, what is Paul doing? He's trying to look through their lens. What are they seeing would have been better if he would have never showed up? The Corinthians' posture towards their leaders was, we are above you. We are reigning kings. We are judges. We are judging now the leaders who is good and who is bad. We're fully satisfied. Paul, do you want to share in our authority? Because we've already arrived now. The early church was confused and not aware of the upside-down life expected in the kingdom of God. The cross-shaped life. The structure that is built on the foundation of Jesus looks different than the buildings around the world. So here Paul has a description. I'm just going to bullet point them real quick here of what a Jesus follower looks like to the world. Last of all, men sentenced to death, a spectacle, fools, weak, disrepute, disgraceful, hungry, thirsty, poorly dressed, beaten, homeless, laboring, reviled, slandered, scum of the world, refuse. Come be a Christian, right? Like what in the world? But in this context, what he is doing is fighting the pride of the church. And as you read the New Testament, this list isn't far-fetched from the book of Acts. And in church history, he left out burning at the stake for your friends. Dying to save some being eaten by animals for show because of your faith. But because they know their true king, these true followers of Christ, their identity is not formed in the scum of the world. I'm a child of God. My building is built on gold. I'm trash to you. My dad created the world. Oh, you want to judge me? My father will judge every living and dead human. There's a perspective 
that Paul is trying to point us to. When reviled, we bless. When persecuted, we endure. When slandered, we entreat. This is the, the followings or the, the actions of this judgment in Paul's life. But how does one have the strength to do this? Well, our second and final point today, identity in God provides supernatural strength. Identity in God provides supernatural strength. Friends, I'm with you. I've lived with humans all my life. The opinions of other people drain the mess out of us. This message is so important today. Let's just do these three words as we kind of wrap up. Reviled, persecuted, slandered. So how can someone bless while being reviled or abused? How can you bless when that's happening? Well, this is, when you, when you bless, when you're being abused, that's the love of the enemy. It's, Father, forgive them, for they don't understand what's going on. It's the, while they're sinners, I will sacrifice for you. It takes a ton of confidence to not live a life of defensiveness. And maybe that's your go-to. You just feel like you're always defending yourself. And I'm just, I'm sorry that's been your go-to. I get it. Because you want the truth to be out there. But what if our confidence, confidence is in the great defender? Jesus. May our confidence not be in self, but may we have God-confidence and be able to bless when we're abused. Second thing he brings up, when persecuted, we endure. How does the child of God fight that? Well, if you're on the men's retreat and talking about Jeremiah, what you get sometimes is you endure. Like, that's all you get. Your fight is you don't give up. You stay faithful in what God is calling you to. Paul does not say the persecution is going to stop or win. He just says God's going to give you the strength to endure. May you lean on that and he get the glory every day you endure that persecution. Thirdly, what about the judgments, the slander? Like what about that? We entreat, this word means to respond graciously. One translation says, reply as a friend. It takes us back to the beginning of this morning. How do we respond to the opinions and judgments of others? We should imitate Paul. See, he follows Christ. See, the identity that God can provide is strength. It's a supernatural strength. It's when the confused world tells you their thoughts, 
You have to decide, is that true or is what God says about me true? You may be in a place right now where you're, you're holding on to words from somebody in this world. And sometimes these words and opinions are from people you love. Actually, most of the weightiest stuff you're feeling right now is probably from people you love. And it seems like the more you know the person, or the more this person is, says they love you, the more cruel the things seem to be. The wounds are, are deep. And the wounds aren't just deep, they're lasting. They're like still there. I get it. I've received some of these wounds, but even more, I've actually inflicted many. But this morning, if we can agree that the more someone knows us and the more someone loves us has a greater impact, can we all agree as friends and brothers and sisters in Christ today? If that's a true fact, Please, even myself, may I receive this. May you receive this today. God knows you more than anyone on this planet knows you. God loves you more than anyone on this planet loves you. And God says, I forgive you. I forgive you. You're free to go love people now. I punished my son on the cross and now you go and live in freedom and sin no more. That's the gospel. That's looking through the lens of the gospel. And if there's something currently you've done where you've caused a wound, say you're sorry. Find your God confidence. Remove your pride and say, I'm sorry. I want to see you the way God sees you. May we all have the strength to see life through the lens of the gospel and pray for those that are lost and hurting and especially those that are attempting to hurt us. God will be glorified in this process. Let's pray. God, we are, we are hurting people because of the words of others. And as we read your, the scriptures, we, we see story after story of people being mean, thinking they're being right. And your word reminds us today that we need to build our life on what you say about us. And we are forgiven. We are welcomed in, and we are now sent out as we shine our lights of hope for our generation. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for our sin. May we show that love to those that are attempting to hurt us. It's in your name. Amen.